A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. They always say to tightrope walkers, don't look down. But occasionally we do. I often feel that I ask for too much to see fantastic footballers who spark your passion and your, your own creativity and then to find them and meet them and then to find that they love football as much or even more than you and into the bargain, they're nice people. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Damien Duff, stellar footballer, street footballer, skillful, artful dodger, manipulator of the football in a way that made you stand up and clap, should have been Scottish, wasn't. And we speak to him here. I hope you get as much of a thrill out of it as Neil and Martin and I did. I've forgiven him for trying to ruin my early freelance life in Barcelona at the camp now. Chelsea, Barcelona, Didier Drogba, Victor Valdez, Anders Frisk, Maxi Lopez. He's forgiven Newcastle for the worst three years of his life. He's forgiven those who, kind of in a football sense, were abusive to him as a kid at Blackburn, a novice, dobe, over to make his way in the big world. He's thrilled us. He's thrilled us for Spain, Blackburn, Fulham. The amount of affection he's got for Craven Cottage will startle you. But we talk through episodes of great fun, drama, confusion. Brian Kerr comes up a lot, and so he should. Damien Duff is a gent. Really nice man, but talks brilliantly about football. Hope you love this next hour and a bit as much as we did making it tougher. Go on yourself, son. Time for Chelsea and uh, along comes Mourinho and you turn up at the camp now. I had just moved there and I needed my freelance revenue and uh, put the team that I was covering most out of the Champions League and it was quite dramatic and you were quite central. Can we talk about those two games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way I remember that game is Barcelona, still very fledgling, Rijkaard are completely outplayed and out-strategised as well. So I don't know what the manager had said to you beforehand but the way the game tilts for those who didn't see it, or maybe a younger, is that I think Carvalho puts a lovely ball down the yeah. right channel for you. You're away. You show Gio Van Bronckhorst not only clean heels, but all your clean washing. 
and centre it and Belletti puts it's your goal. I was claiming that goal. It's your goal. Yeah. Listen, I was there. It's the first time I've ever nipped yeah. you anything yeah. quicker than you. Yeah. It was your yeah. goal, of course it was. And Belletti says that too. You're one nil up. And then somebody puts a quite a dangerous ball in from the wing. It was me, yeah. yeah for Drogba to send off. Yeah. yeah. For Drogba to flat out assault Victor Valdez. Now <laughs> I'm only being provocative. And he gets sent off and it's a big old row and Jose Mourinho says at the end of the game, Frank Rackard went to the referee's room or whatever. How did you guys, as a team, as a group, build up to that game? What was it like approaching the camp now for the first time? First time, yeah. And the tactics and the strategy and the idea, and at 1-0 up, what was the feeling? You know, this is the boss. Tell me the whole... Bring me inside it. Epic to be fair, oh, I can't and remember. You know, go- you know it's going to a very good part two yeah. for you. Eh? You um, know where it's going to end up. To be fair, uh, Mourinho wanted Barcelona and we all thought, oh, he's fucking crazy. Like We were <laughs> flying back from, I think, Moscow. They were in a group. Maybe we just topped their group. And the lads were just having a bit of crack with him. We're like, who do you want in, in the second round? And he goes, Barcelona. And we were like, are you for real? Like, and he goes, no, no, simple. We stopped them playing and they let us play. And it was as simple as that. I remember leading up to the game then. I think we lost in the FA Cup to Newcastle a couple of days beforehand. 1-0 maybe? Yeah. Uh, up there? Yeah. yeah. I had a knock. I remember him telling me I was playing, but I remember him playing a few mind games with the press. He named a totally different team. And he goes, I'm going to do this later. He pulled me aside. You are playing tomorrow, but I'm going to give them... I think he said Good Johnson was playing ahead of me. So when he did name the team on the TV I started believing then I thought maybe his idea is playing so then I thought why are you I'm not playing <laughs> so I kind of had to wait 24 hours for him to name the team and yeah lo and behold I was in it yeah for me like every young child you talk about teams in England but to go and play in the new Camp like dreams come true stuff and that was probably the start of the rivalry that I guess still goes on to, it's quite epic it's yeah, been, it's been it theatrical on. it's been yeah. so and it probably all started that night with the sending off, the uh, frisk, the dressing room stuff, which like we didn't even know what went on. We were just reading I, it in the... I'm not the trying page. to drag you into that. Yeah, part yeah, of it, But yeah. if I look at it now, because like, you always hope, you genuinely hope, like, three, there's three journalists in this room or communicators in this room, you genuinely hope that you call things accurately. And the first booking, I think, you know, it's one of those, yeah, maybe, or whatever, one booking, it doesn't matter that much. Second booking, the ball, the your point of view is more important than mine. But it looked to me as if the follow-through meant that in most times, you're going to get a yellow for that. I mean, no, no, no. you wouldn't be the first to tell me I'm wrong, so don't be slow. Um, yeah, I remember. Was it two yellows or did he give him a straight two red? Yellows, two yeah. yellows. I listen, yeah, I'm obviously biased, but I remember back in the day, yeah, we were like, how can you send them off? And to be fair, like I call it the dark arts of the game. Maybe other players don't know it so well, but... Was it Valdez in goal? Yeah, it was, yeah. And he's rolling around like he was being shot. Like, I think you have to do it nowadays. If, like, I've seen Mourinho, if a player didn't do that, he'd have a go at him then. That's the way the game is gone. It's just a small detail. Yeah, be, be wise, be streetwise. Yeah, he's probably caught him a little bit, but that Victor Valdez has been streetwise. You look back at it, it's still quite a flawed bus on the team. They haven't reached maturity. They haven't fiddled around with certain parts that need... Maxi Lopez changes the game. That tells you yeah. something. Because Maxi yeah, yeah. was never really that much of a footballer. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Yeah. And so there's a bit of bad blood. And the first we hear of the Frisk thing is the media coming. Yeah. We'll go downstairs. And the press chief, I think, was Simon Greenberg at that city. He comes out, yeah. well, nobody from Chelsea will be talking. There's been an incident and we're in the half and off we go home. Oh, no, fair yeah. enough. That's OK then. And then comes... I don't know if it was a week later or two weeks or whatever. And so... Before we talk about goalkeepers again and Carvalho for the fourth goal, was that anger, those first sort of 30 minutes? Was it Barcelona's ineptitude? Was it better tactical planning by Mourinho? Because 
what was the adjective you'd reach for now, Rich? But a typhoon, a hurricane, you know, Barcelona were made for a chunk of time to look third division. Yeah, what was it, three goals in 15, 20 minutes, I think. Uh, I was just going back to what he said earlier. We stopped them playing, which we probably didn't stop Ronaldinho that night. It was an incredible performance. I remember that second goal, the toe bog. I've never wait, seen wait, it before. Football, but it's not just that part. The little, the little shuffle, yeah, the little shuffle before. <laughs> that, oh, it's incredible, that, yeah. You'd, you'd never be short They're always shown it in Sky Sports, and listen, you can't help but watch that game when it's on. But, yeah, it was just, we believed. What can I say? Yeah, Barcelona, they were a world-class team then, but they still weren't a patch on what they are now. No. No chance of that. Yeah, it was just us believing. Mourinho was big on transition the minute you win the ball, and I think two or the three... transitions, go- please, because this is a word that gets used yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's getting hammered but, now in but, football. No, yeah. but I'm not saying it's happened. Some punters will know what it means visually, but yeah. won't know what it means as a, as yeah. a phrase. So, yeah, it was probably the first time I heard it was off him, and that was 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah, yeah it's simple. It's If you lose the ball, it's transition from... Attack to defence. Yeah. So running back quickly, recovery runs or sprints. And on the other hand, if you win the ball like we did in that game against Barcelona, off Xavi, Xavi yeah, off Xavi, nicked off in the yeah. middle of the. So it's transition from defence. You win the ball yeah. and exploding forwards quick. So, so it means also it's not just your pace; it's mentally. Everybody's got to be like yeah. on their guard. That yeah. if the ball's won, everybody's yeah. doing yeah. something, right? Yeah. So it's just having that switch, I guess. I said it's such a buzzword now in when you do I'm doing my coaching badges, like it gets absolutely slaughtered and I then I kinda hate using it, but I guess it's the best phrase it and means that not, something. Yeah. It does yeah, actually yeah, yeah. practically mean something, yeah. which is you defend yeah. the phrase. Yeah. Then yeah. And, and that's why I wanted you to explain it, because I think that one of the things that Sky and I mean Sky yeah. has helped us in Britain and Ireland to do as punters is to talk about football a little yeah. bit more intelligently. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of very good ex pro analysis. Yeah which reached a, a, a peak with Guy Neville and yeah. Jimmy Carragher, in, in my yeah. humble opinion. Oh, but it also means that some people around you know, the football community, yeah. amateur football community yeah. will use the words because they've heard it and they know it's appropriate, but they might not know what it means. And I think yeah. it's useful to know what a word means. Yeah, well, that's when you do win the ball back. That's when teams are at their most vulnerable because they're not, I guess, in a defensive shape. Yeah. So the minute you win it, you're boom, you're gone. And like we steamrolled teams that year, you know, with just having that off to a tee, I guess. Like I could go through off the top of my head 30, 40 goals that I can remember, just win the ball back and go within four or five seconds. And yeah, he was probably the first. I said, I don't remember ever having that any, with any other coaches. Did they give you dossiers on your opponents? Yeah, every, uh, every game you'd, have, you'd go in on, say, the Thursday, the games on the Saturday, and there'd be a little, uh, little dossier on your, on your spot with, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight pages, a little paragraph on each player. And then just, just pictures of the movements that they make on, on the pitch and what have you. Just till I did that interest you bore you did, did you kind of go yeah boss I've read it or you know what? I'd never ask you but yeah I'd be a geek anyway so yeah I'd read it inside out and to be fair a lot all the lads took it and we'd take it away and if you're in the hotel the night before you'd have a little read it's just small details attention to detail uh, like I mentioned to lads at Rovers probably don't have Shamrock Rovers that yeah. is here yeah. and it's finance and time they didn't really do it but uh, yeah everywhere I've gone and coaches have took it on board I've always said that that's what Mourinho did they ended up doing it at Melbourne City I was there last year knowing your opponents if I've got it right in, in my mind right you know the Damien Duff goal is a 3-0 goal and I think there's in a big transition from I think it's Carvalho to Cole yeah Cole what a pass eh yeah, wait, I don't and think I had to take a moment, touch. Uh, what Joe does, because Caballo comes powering through, I think maybe nips off some of yeah, his toes, yeah. and it's a volley pass. From, yeah, from oh, that's incredible. It. Yeah, I think it was up around his hip, and he's just stroked it, like beautiful, beautiful ball. 
I don't think I took a touch, to be fair. It was just so perfectly weighted. And I remember I probably didn't help proceedings on the night running over. My mum and dad used to sit above the dugout. I was actually running over to them, but uh, when you look back, it looks like I'm trying to dig Rijkaard out and, and the bench, and I think it kicked off a bit in the sideline. Take but I was that actually, yeah, bomb, take that. Yeah, but I was actually just running over to my dad, you know? So, um, or at least that's the worst story will remain. Nah, yeah, yeah, they yeah. were never there, were they? they were. I was there, all right, yeah. You wouldn't miss that. You wouldn't miss that. Do we? T- I mean, is it just a waste of breath to talk? Was was it planned that Ricky Carvalho would block off Valdez? And wait, wait, who took that corner? Me. It's so kind man. of your tie, isn't it? Between uh, the first goal and the sending off, and the, you know the, yeah, the three no goal and bit, um, the It was a kind of. Yeah, so I remember the fork. I was horrendous corner. I near enough hit the penalty spot, and it was JT didn't get his head, and it was going outside the box. I remember the minute I hit it, I was like, I oh my god! That because okay, maybe you didn't need to, but JT's completely. He's on his. It's John Terry. Yeah. He's on his own, yeah, and it's a massive leap. It's a yeah. it's a beautiful yeah. header, however yeah. you describe the yeah. corner. I made it a good ball, but uh, again, Ricky Carvalho with the goalkeeper. It's just a dark art. It's just streetwise giving him a little nudge. You're all right with that in general. I'm not talking on that instant. You're all right with that. The dark arts. Yeah, well. Back in the day, it probably wouldn't have been, but it's just uh, I guess the education that I've had with Mourinho and what have you. Yeah, like when I'm coaching out of 15s or whatever and there's like young kids and I'm never telling the kid to dive, but like if someone clips their heels in the box and I'm careful the way I do say it to them, but like you have to go down and get your penalty. There's no rewards for trying to stay on your feet, you know, and you stumble. I've seen people miss goals. Because they've gone, no, yeah, I want this, be, and, then, and then they fall. And then, yeah, and trying then to be too you're, honest. You're going to get a lot of grief for that yeah, as well. Yeah. Honesty doesn't get you very far in football. I think you need to have that street wiseness, call it what you want, bordering on cheat. I don't know whether you can even call it cheat. I just think it's clever. I think you can hone your instincts. He said, not playing with words deliberately, but I remember, albeit I'm not a fan of him, I'm self-aware enough to know that Almost every good footballer who's coached by Glenn Hoddle said it was a good experience yeah. and that England lost a, maybe a tournament-winning yeah. manager. There's certainly somebody... And he told Michael Owen eh, very early on, so you're fast and you can finish, but run across the last defender. Yeah. But I think the rugby thing is run straight. Yeah. But in football, it's like, once you're away, just make sure that you, as long as your yeah. angle for the finish is OK, yeah. get an if they... To cut them off, yeah. And then, yeah. what happens? You know, the world stops yeah. in 1998 in Sinetian, I think, against yeah. Argentina, yeah. where... He's run away and scored that brilliant goal, but he's also run away, got in front of the defender, and yeah. bush, down you go, penalty. Yeah. And that, that, I think, is where the bridge between, like, honourable play and do it the right way and then dark arts. Maybe if, if you put yourself in a situation where somebody's going to do something and yeah. you feel a touch, then obviously yeah. you go down, eh? Yeah. It's good enough. Winning is winning. Leaving Chelsea was a mistake, eh? Yeah, but I'm just a stubborn Irish man. Nothing's ever changed, really. Yeah, I do look back and I was going... Just stay around and fight like you've always done for your place to make it, I guess. I don't know. I remember when I left the day, Jose just called me into the office. He goes, you know, if you're fit and playing well, you play my team every week. I was just, yeah, whatever, good luck, I'm out here. And it was just really because of the, I think it was the last three months of the previous season, I was in and out of the team. And to be fair, I wasn't at my sharpest. I remember having a few problems, calf, Achilles, what have you. And uh, I wasn't even making the bench on some games on the run-in. And that hit me hard because... I just loved playing football. <laughs> and, yeah, when I look back, I should have taken a step back and gone, yeah, get yourself right and get back in the team. But I was just so distraught. I listened to a short career, travelling away, going to the bridge, whatever, and just watching from the stands. That I didn't even look at Chelsea at winning trophies, at winning, or working with Jose Mourinho. I was just like, I need to go somewhere and play football. That's the way I looked at it, black and white. So, yeah, mistake, but 
then I look at no disrespect to him like the likes of Mikel and what have you like he's there 10 years but I wouldn't say he's played an awful lot more games than me I don't know for being there 10 years I'd rather go play and just enjoy the, the wages and the salary and the, and the good life is a byproduct for you it's good it's healthy for your family it's healthy for your future but it is a byproduct to playing for you isn't it yeah, like I went to Newcastle, I said, there's obviously an awful lot of money in the game. But I went, took a pay cut, just wanted to play. Like mm-hmm. I, I never get involved in negotiations with, uh, just let my dad and advisor or whatever go in and I just hang around, just wait to sign up. I wouldn't even ask how much I'm on. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm not bullshitting you there when I say it. That's fact. It's just love of the game. Was it a mistake? Yeah. I went there and, God, I had a horrendous three years of my life. I give them everything. Like the Geordies think I went for... A jolly up for money, for this, for that. I had a lot of injury problems when I did play. I never really got any rhythm. And my God, like you talk about Tim Sherrod, Billy McKinley abused me earlier. Like that is character building up there. That will make you or break you. Like 52,000 every fortnight. Just like I laugh about it now, but my God, just yeah, screaming how, oh, they used to hate me. <laughs> yeah. If you can look back with that type of clarity, you must be aware that he could have probably flipped a coin and it could have gone exactly the opposite way because everything about you, your composure, your love of the game, your skill, what you could do with a ball, if they'd taken to you, they'd have probably seceded from England, formed a kingdom and you'd be on the throne because you embody, as a person, a footballer, just about everything that they yearn for, which is kind of confusing given that it was a shit experience. Well, it's not the the lads in the team, the local boys, Stephen Taylor, Stephen Harper, whatever, they used to tell them they, they love you or hate you, players up there. And yeah, I just didn't get off to a good start and they just made their mind up and me really sharpish. Like, I've no, I still would not change it for the world, leaving Chelsea and uh, going to Newcastle. But I want to go back to that because I wasn't taking you up for leaving. Uh, you'll be aware that Josie's emphasised this recently by saying that that side, you, and he names you, killer instinct. He said the Chelsea that he was sacked from, the Chelsea that he came back to, didn't kill games. And he said, you know, that's what we did. That's what Damien Duff did. He, he talked about your attitude. He talked about your fearlessness. He talked about the fact that he, if you could get on a team and do a team and win. And that's him still talking about it all these years later. So all I meant was it was no way derogatory about the decision oh, no. to leave. I didn't know about that meeting. But when he said you'd be in my team, he meant it. And he still feels that way. And I think that's a major, major... You can't put it in the bank, praise. And I think maybe through your career, that's not been the thing you've sought yeah. most. But... It's pretty sincere. It's pretty serious praise from him. Uh, yeah, I've said for me. I could put you in a situation you don't like. No, just, no, no. I just said it, and then I've done yeah. it. Yeah, listen for me. I like, fucking I love the man. Like, yeah. In the end, I said, listen, good luck. I'm out of here. But uh, listen, the best two years ever working. I'm just. Was it fun on a daily basis? Yeah, he's a funny guy for starters. But like coaching, training sessions, unbelievable. Like frightening. Improved everyone no end. Like it was. More or less the same squad he inherited from Ranieri. I think he had a couple of additions, obviously Drogba, but Drogba struggled really for the first year. He, he wanted to go home, he yeah, did it. But he just turned us into winners just straight away. That arrogance, that confidence just rubbed off on everyone. And just, I said, steamrolled the league for a couple of years. And the thing, obviously, whether I want to go into coaching or managing, the fact him leaving Chelsea this year and looks like he's lost the dressing room, I just find that staggering, just... There's no hope for any of us if, if he's losing a dressing room. We're into an area where I, I, I need to be careful because uh, you know, I didn't play for him. If the people who play tell me it correctly, then maybe there's been a change in the man, a change in, in him. Yeah. That As phenomenal as he is, he's a human being. And I think in his attitude to playing and to life and to 
And also the dark arts, sometimes if you, you know, if you wear the Lord of the Rings, if you wear the ring too long, it corrupts you. I think maybe some of those who encountered him when he came back to Stamford Bridge that second time found a change. Mm. So maybe we can put, or maybe I can put it down to the fact that it's not that, you know, something ridiculous has happened because Chelsea have lost a guy who's still the guy he was in 2004-5-6, is my interpretation. We all do that, we all change, for better or worse, and maybe, maybe it's going to give us all a treat where maybe he's in control of one half of Manchester next season and then Guardiola's in charge of the other half, which... Well, yeah, if I was a better man, no doubt he has to end up there, especially after Guardiola's rival going to City. I said the only statement Man United can make is him, and... Anyone else is would be wrong for me. I said there's only one man for the job there, it's him. Your faith in it. And one of the things you said there, I wonder if it's a thing that Mourinho has to maybe work a little bit on, is that I think that Ranieri deserves a great deal of credit for the side Yeah. You know, you said it in a way which wasn't wrong, but Ranieri built a hell of a yeah, side. Yeah. Now, my admiration for Mourinho, I'd like to respect him more, I'll yeah. be frank, I've yeah. said this before. I'd like to respect him more. I actually actively would like to feel more respect for him because I can see why he should get that, but... A discussion that he had with Abramovich, with Abramovich, because Abramovich became obsessed with Barcelona and obsessed with Ronaldinho, mm. and he said, "Look, you know, when Josie came, I'll buy you Ronaldinho." I went, "No, I don't want Ronaldinho. Mm. I want Drogba." Look at that bet. Yeah. Ronaldinho, within a couple of years, was burnt out and overweight, yeah. and kind of has just puttered along since yeah. then. Whereas Drogba went from, "I don't want to be here. I want to be back yeah. in Marseille." I'm out. I'm like, "Oh, wins Abramovich, mm. that most extraordinary." European Cup final. That was that was a decision of Mourinho's, which was exceptional. But I've always felt that Ranieri. I mean, Ranieri was the guy who who. Well, he bought Robin. Uh, like no one really remembers that he bought Aaron Robin. He bought Peter Cech. Um, Ampard. Yeah. Me. Good. You like? Yeah. He bought a lot of us really. So the Czech deal was was, was done. Was yeah. Was the done. Robin one was done. Like, listen, amazing, great guy. When I see them Leicester this year, like, yeah, I happy. find it staggering. Just absolutely staggering. The one thing, like, they obviously haven't got quality of City or Spurs and all. They just will be giving him 200% because he's such a great guy and they just love him to bits, just like we did. We all knew he was going that year at the end of the season. But so it, it wasn't the Monte Carlo thing. It wasn't the Monaco night when... No, I think it's... Yeah, he was, he was gone. He was a dead man walking. If it was any other manager, he'd probably have lads down in tools and what have you. But we just love to get uh, Ranieri so much that we just give him everything till the end. Is it easy to explain that now, Rick? Can you say... What it is about him? I don't know. He just has such charm and charisma. He's quite eccentric, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even want to go into the smaller detail what training and all. Like, when Mourinho came in, training was just on a different planet. Right. Compared to what High we High level, intensity. Yeah, detail. everything, everything, everything. So, whether Claudio would have won the league the way we were going with him, I doubt. I think he still needed yeah. Mourinho. Definitely. But so Claudia had maybe something that you talked about with Brian Kerr, that and, and Suey, yeah. that ability that somehow you click with your soldiers and they give you more. He definitely has that, but then like you have to ask questions. Like he's had big squads all over Monaco, Inter, Valencia, Chelsea. He's never won the league. I don't think. Am I wrong? He, no. If, well, he's thank won you, Copa thank del Rey. You, thank you for putting me on the spot because I don't think did he, he win the Serie B with Juventus to take them up? I don't know. He took them up. Whether they won the Serie B when they were demoted oh, or not. I won't class that. Um, oh, well, any okay. of the big leagues, any of the big leagues. But considering no, the squads he, and the clubs he's been at, he's never won he it. He won a couple of guys in that beautiful, yeah. beautiful game against Atletico Madrid. And again, I don't know whether he won the second division in France with Monaco when they had to come up. But you're right. This would be his first title. Yeah. Would be. And would, I still can't. Be. I still can't see them. I don't know. I just oh, can't. Don't break my heart now. Tell you. 
I want to. I think Let's, it's the most amazing story ever. Like, she should go down. straight down to Hollywood and make a movie about it. But um, where are the football things that you can't see him winning it? What's the first and foremost quality of squad? Like, I'm just going off that. Like, surely, but like, yeah, are we surprised? Like, Arsenal have been like that for when did they last win it? I don't know. Over ten years ago, was we'll, it? We'll do a new, an entirely new separate podcast where we'll have to give you a fee for your time where we. Break down how on earth Arsene Wenger is still in charge of that club when they keep falling over. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I've kind of gone off the beaten track a little bit and um, we can't stop here without Fulham because it's, it's Roy Hodgson again. It's one of the friends I have. He's very, very close friends with Pep Guardiola and he was telling him about one of the things because he's quite a quixotic guy, Guardiola, and he keeps mentioning to my pal about one of the things he really wants to do by coming over and coaching is, is go to grounds that breathe the history of English football like Craven Cottage. So he's more pissed off than Michael Jackson was that Fulham have been relegated yeah. than you are. Because I was a season ticket holder at Craven College yeah. for a little while when all the crowd would shout, Steed, whenever Mal Brown yeah, touched yeah. the ball or whatever. Life at Fulham. Let's talk about the stadium, for example. Do you have affection for the stadium? Oh, I love it, yeah. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? It's amazing, yeah. I remember being the away team going there and you'd hate it. Like The dressing room was half the size of this room we're in now, like horrendous. I.e. Uh, not big. Uh, like you're getting changed on skips and just horrendous. Mind you, the, the home one isn't much bigger, but, <laughs> oh, listen, obviously had trophies, what have you, at Chelsea, won something at Blackburn, that's where I started, but probably coinciding with having a wife, two kids, that's probably the happiest time in my life, football in life, was probably at Fulham. First couple of years, definitely, just incredible, amazing set of lads that you go to war with. Craven Cottage, 
It's such charm, I don't know, it's just... That should matter to us. I think rather than just turn up, take your £200,000 a week, play quite well and, and sort of play in a soulless bowl... Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a beautiful part of the world as well. Like, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, listen, I'm going to venture out here. I don't know if it matters to you, but when I moved to Barcelona, I just read Madrid, Barcelona, and part of it was the influence of Steve Archer. We went to Barcelona, played for Aberdeen, but I need to be near water. I actually need to be near water. And Madrid's got a fishy little river that doesn't count. And yeah. when I was there, like living by the Thames and being near the Thames, yeah. it's just such a magnetic, hypnotic, historic, beautiful river. And it's kind of like, when you see it out the corner of your eye, you feel like it's going to flow into the stadium. Yeah. It's that close yeah. to the bottom of yeah. the, the stand. It's, it's epic. Yeah, um, I don't think they've... I think they were planning on building a, an extra 10,000 on top of the Riverside stand, but I think that'll be put by the, the wayside for now. Again, like Blackburn, just so sad to see them down there. But for me, they brought it on themselves. The way they ran the club for the, yeah, the couple of seasons before they got relegated, they're... A squad of 20 and like you're I'm talking 10 11 12 lone players mm-hmm. were coming in every Christmas then the start of the season so they were dicing with debts mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. so they brought on themselves I'd have no qualms about that how did you end up there what was the actual moment when somebody said listen you, did you fancy um Fulham? yeah it was probably me chasing a move away from Newcastle I scored the goal that sent them down mm-hmm. Like, when that went in, I was just like, my God, I can't put that more into this. And I don't know. Like, I'm a big believer going deep, like the law of attraction, just positive. And, I like that, yeah. And me there, I guess I was there, what was it, three years? I'm like, fucking, this is awful. I need to get out of here. It's so bad. I'm not enjoying it. And eventually, I just brought it all up upon myself and <laughs> I said, scored the OG to send it down. I thought, what the hell? So I did pre-season. Chris Uton was there, but I just thought to myself, you just need to get out. And it's actually in life, it's probably an unhealthy situation yeah, to be in. Yeah, I, well, I remember think. knowing I was going to get a bad injury. I just knew it. I told a few people, I was like, something bad's going to happen to me. I'm like, I think any walk of life and any job, you just bring it upon you. These positive people that go out and are amazing, it's because they're positive and it comes back to them. And I ended up getting a bad injury about two weeks later. I was out for 10 months, dislocating my foot. I was just like, you need to sort your head out, me. And the only way in the end was just to leave Newcastle and go mm-hmm. to Fulham. And it was me probably chasing a move. It wasn't even Roy looking for me. It was my agent, obviously, was with Roy Hodgson at Blackburn. And he says, yeah, we'd love to have Damien down here. And again, I like massive wage cut. I was obviously on a good deal at Newcastle. I think I more than half my wages yeah. but I just want to go play enjoy be happy get married and, and start a family and I, I just need to get away from Newcastle to do that and the minute I met Roy it was straightforward enough it was yeah amazing coach he's like one of my guess fathers dads in football you call him because you'd kind of principally you know you'd made your career as a left winger occasionally people had played yeah. you maybe off a striker yeah. or it seemed to me that Roy was quite keen sometimes playing you on the right coming in. It kind of just all fell into place. Uh, Clint Dempsey was a right footer on the left and he scored an awful lot of goals. Like So, to be fair, I probably would have done well to dislodge him. But uh, I don't know, just as you get older, I've always tried to add strings to me bow. So, throughout the years, I probably left it too late. I wish I started, as I tell the kids that now, I wish I started when I was 15, just right foot, right foot, right foot. And now... I prefer kicking a ball with my right foot rather than my left, which is... the work you put in. Yeah, and so that's probably eventually when I hit 30, I, I could play there. I could obviously cut in. Anyone could do that if yeah. you're left-footed, but I was happy going down the wing and crossing the ball in as well, which I possibly couldn't have done at pace 10 years ago when I was at Chelsea and Blackburn. So it just kind of all fell into place there and didn't look back. I more or less became a right-winger, which is amazing after playing 15, 20 years as a left-winger, you know? Showed your affection... 
for Claudio Ranieri by turning up at his place in Rome and dumping him out of Europe. Went on to... It's quite a commonplace result, actually. I saw the other day there was an Aston Villa-Everton game and somebody's the statistic is this is the most um, often repeated uh, fixture in the history of the English First Division. And, and throughout my life, I'm much older than you, the most regular result I've ever heard is um, Fulham 4, Juventus 1. I mean, what the actual fuck? First leg 3-1. Yeah, 3-1, and I think they scored then they're, after five minutes. They're peppered with World Cup winners. Yeah. Who, who's the boy? Ugly one at the back. Cannavaro. Yeah, he's not bad. Alex Del Piero. Yeah. Fabio Grosso. Trezeguet, I think. Yeah. So Zaccherini is the coach. Yeah. League-winning Zaccherini. Yeah. Over to you, Damien. Like I said, it was just a good group of lads that you'd go to war with. But yeah, even uh, well, we were 3-1 down, they scored after five minutes. You could hear the whole uh, Craven Cottage just deflated. So we effectively tie over. But I don't know, we just... Kept going. I think we scored two goals within a couple of minutes, and I think it would just galvanise any team. Like it wasn't anything that was said at half time or in between ourselves. We just kept going, and we were like I don't know how much you watched us that season, but like we were a slick team. Probably no world beaters or world class players you could say if you compare it to Juventus, but like we were one hell of a team, and we could have beaten anyone there. Um, I think Man United came a couple of weeks later before we spanked them three 0 played them off the park. And we did that to most people that year. Shakhtar Donetsk, like they're the closest thing I've seen to Barcelona. And I know it's at a different level, but when we played them, they had all the boys that are Fernandinho, Villian, all them lot, and they were just incredible. But we put them out. So, yeah, so there wasn't as much that was said from Roy, from us around. We were just a hell of a good team. I thought, anyway, maybe I'm biased, but we were a slick outfit. And the thing that appeals to me is the romanticism of, you know, Roy's been there at Inter. It's not maybe gone particularly well. Juventus are just such a historic name for me. They mean things to me in my career because of various different occurrences. I suppose it was at the old Deli Alpi Stadium, yeah. which is a bit of a no, blow. No, it wasn't. Uh, There's no atmosphere. Yeah. You turn up, it's 3-1. You, even a good group would have been capable of coming back to London. And then you can see that it's, it's equivalent only to... I was reporting on the treble season for Manchester United and they, the only game where they really played poorly on route to the treble, so the Champions League part of the treble, sorry, is only Juventus when they're not in the game. And Conte, who's now apparently going to be Chelsea's yeah. next manager, I think scores. And, and I think Giggs gets a late, late header at Old Trafford. And they're 1-1 and they're, they've been outplayed. And you go there and it's the Delhi Albi full. And we are sitting down with mm-hmm. sort of typewriters and, and people are... It was Batman Rover style of use. There were bottles full of yellow stuff thrown down yeah. as coins, stones, yeah. whatever. We're trying to work. The players are going through all that and they're 2-0 down after five and a half seconds. Pippo and Zaghi, meaning that they're 3-1 down yeah. with an away goal against and they come back and win that. And I think what you did that night in Craven Cottage, you've spoken about it in a quite matter-of-fact way. But in terms of the romanticism of football, you talk, in terms of the mouse that roared, that's not derogatory. Fulham is a club which hasn't won a lot of yeah, games. Well, and it's we against right you're 3-1 down, then 4-1 down, then you... I think well, we had no right to, yeah. And, but not taking any shine off. Like They weren't a great Juventus team. I don't think, anyway. Maybe over the two legs they weren't. You probably... Watch them you make them look bit. not good, but if you look at the personnel, the t- yeah. maybe they weren't such a good yeah. unit. Yeah, possibly that. I said, in the end, I think we just steamrolled them, and that's amazing hearing that, probably because they were 4-1 up, and we ended up steamrolling them. But like I said, just black and white, we were a hell of a good team that maybe people didn't know. Well, all that's left is, is for you to say something a little bit about what it's meant to you for, you know, to be one of the boys in green, um, because... I've been at a couple of tournaments where 
followed you. I was at the 2012 tournament where you played against Spain and whatever. The World Cup excites people. The, the game against Spain where you're still talked about in Spanish football, which is understandable because they like people with skill. When you look back on it all, has it been a, a satisfying experience? Do you ever tire about talking about 2002? Uh-huh. And what was this? Sorry, I've got a butterfly in mind now because I'm excited and I've drunk too much tea. What was the celebration in Saudi Arabia? Uh, well, I for? think over in Japan and that side of the world, I guess, it's, there's an awful lot of down and, and what have you. And Robbie obviously had his cartwheel and his bow and arrow st- stuff going on. I was just like in the hotel and getting ready for the game. I was like, what if you score tonight? What would be? It just came to me. Um, said the fans were always bound to me and what have you. So came from that read. I think I was brushing my teeth. I was like, oh, I'll try that later if I, if I, uh, I score and end up, I guess, being a bit of an iconic. They loved it, didn't they? Celebrate, yeah. And like I still see pictures of that now. It's outside the door there. I just saw on, I on the way in, yeah. Just, there was something on social media. So I'm not on it, but the lad sent it through to me for my birthday, uh, reminiscing, saying happy birthday, Duffer. And a, a three-minute clip of me from the Spain game. And I hate listening to myself and I actually always hate kind of watching myself play football as well. But I clicked on it this morning and Mendieta, our good friend, was in mm. a, he was in a couple of the clips and mm. <laughs> bouncing off me. I didn't realise I played that well, I guess. Because you were just doing what yeah, you what did. What I do, on. yeah. Like, it's, I guess it's a blur. Like, I, didn't, I saw that clip for the first time about six months ago and then obviously watched it again this morning. I can't remember the stuff I did. I was like, wow, bloody hell. That wasn't bad. But, um, so can you imagine what people watching it who aren't you, who are going, oh, you know, that's... Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's still talked about now with Irish fans. Um, listen, the 100th most proudest day, I know it sounds cheesy, but like it's talked about Brian Kerr earlier, he, we'd be in tears, you know, going out on the pitch. Like most national anthems, I was in tears, you know, just no better feeling in life. I wish I was put a bit more, I guess, performances that I did against Spain maybe delivered a few more of them I don't know but sometimes you have to listen to the body and like my body's fucked <laughs> to be brutally honest I've had nine ops four and probably major major surgery so the fact that I got to 36 I've been lucky put in a good shift but uh, the World Cup and Spain and the bouts look back to that they, they weren't kind of revered the way that they've become because they were still viewed as the the talent with a crystal jaw really but Boy, the origins of what would become a really dominant Spain side was there. When I've talked to the players about 2002, they know that they got through by the skin of their teeth there. And I think that one of the things that they liked about your skills was that it was nerveless. It was what they... They liked to have Spanish football culture still, not every part of it, revolves a little bit around the concept of the man in the cape against the bull. Mm. Yeah, which is where the white hankies come from, both approval and disapproval. But there is something in their spirit, and it's inherited and it's taught about if you can show grace under pressure, whether you agree with the art of the bullfighting or not, it's something about bravery and grace and style. And that's when people in the football industry in Spain have talked to me about that day, yeah. not only talk about you, but that you're yeah. the principal part they talk yeah. about, about the emblematic of that Ireland performance the one thing I would say like you said uh, I was probably young I didn't even know the scale of the tournament or whatever I just went out and played like I was on the street and I do think you lose that uh, that fearlessness as you get older maybe being coached and what have you like now if I'm playing the same game I'd probably just try and keep the ball or, or pass back and maybe it is coached out of you I don't know it's maybe sad to hear but I definitely do think that that happens like some of the places I was running with the ball there in the game managers would be pulling their hair out nowadays to be like whoa whoa stop there and telling you just to pass the ball backwards go out the other side so 
possibly a bit coached out of me. So yeah, you learn repercussions as well. Yeah. If you love a club yeah, you, or you're in a club, you go, oh, geez, that mistake cost me. A, it's horrible. Again, that, yeah. But yeah, you, yeah. It, like for example, um, I, before we sat down with Chris Waddle, we considered about because if you ask, you, you've proved that you're in the Chris Waddle camp. And often, if you ask a sportsman or woman about their art, they might not be able to explain it because sometimes it's innate or they've developed it without thinking about it. And maybe it's actually quite useful to develop it without yeah. thinking about it because it takes that yeah. pressure out of your head as well. Sorry, but, just to interrupt. I'm. There's a winger at Rovers now and he's got a lot of ability and all, but like I struggle coaching him because I don't know how I did it. So, like you said, it's innate. I just kind of taught myself on the street. I don't know how, it just kind of happened. And now, like, when the manager asked me to go work with him for 20 minutes, I'm walking across thinking, I don't really know what to say here because I don't know how I did it. So, mm-hmm. if I don't know how I did it, fuck knows how I'm going to tell him. Well, I don't know, like, for example, I, you know, I'm not doing this in any way to be embarrassing, but the fortune of my timing and some of the people who employ me have allowed me to speak at length with Messi several times. Yeah. He doesn't thrill to talk about football. He will, and he's got better over the years. Yeah. But in, in two of the interviews, he talked about things that I always thought about you, which is he, he talked about the, what it's like being kicked. Obviously, with rule changes over his career, it's got easier and more protected. But initially, he was kicked all the time. And he would say, like, well, if, if I get really done... In the first five, ten minutes, I feel after that, I'm so involved in the game, I kind of, unless something's broken, I don't feel it. I just want the ball to get back up going. Another thing that he talks about a lot is that I've asked him about what he does. I don't think he was lying, but I also don't know if I got the truth. And he says he just, when, when he's got the ball, the patterns and the movement and, and the, where space is, just comes into his head. Yeah. It's not actively yeah. thinking yeah. about it. When you were, like, not just that game against Spain, but that's what's caused this discussion and that inability to, to talk mm. to your winger at the club at Rovers at the moment. Can you remember thinking, like, if, if I do this, he'll go there and that'll be a space? And, and you look back and saw, either when I went there, maybe I wouldn't do it now. What, what was the type of thing that would have been in your head then? Or was it, was it all subconscious or what? Yeah, I found the minute I started thinking about my game, that's when I struggled. And I'm sure it's the same for most. It just sounds cheesy, just let it happen, just let it flow, I don't know. Did you see space? Or did you, like, say, if I take the ball this way... I know that there'll be somebody behind me or I know that if I go this way, that player doesn't like going there or if I drag him, he couldn't keep up with me last time. Does that go through your head at a million miles an hour? Oh, like stuff like that. Like you mentioned Van Bronckhurst earlier, like most people, to be fair, are probably quicker than him. So stuff like that, yeah, I'm going to run him every time because he can't catch me. I think Newman, he was the same. I remember playing him here. Big Arthur for Holland. Yeah. yeah. Was he in that Barca as well? Did he not go to Barca? No, he's Ajax, was he? He'd been... He'd have been... I he went to Barca for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. But stuff like that, when you know you've the legs on a, yeah, I'm going to run them every time, but I don't know, all my flicks, tricks, movements was just happened, and subconsciously, I, yeah, I don't know how, and that's why I say I find it hard now to relate to the kids, probably a bit. Well, they're lucky. Speaking of the kids, that your training session is probably halfway started already. <laughs> um, I did try to warn you about how long I could happily talk football about. The way to conclude is that it's been a joy watching you, but here that thing about like it's time to heal my life and find a club where I'll enjoy my football and take a wage cut and be happy and then to see what happened thereafter is going to make I know the people who listen to this feel better about football feel happier about football and uh, the things we've talked about is going to make a lot of people's commute or their mowing the grass or walking the dog whatever a lot better that's down to the power of your football and your character and your way your way you talk about the game we love so thank you for doing it and thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, it's kind of a privilege, again. No, listen, um, 
I don't do many interviews, as you know, so uh, it's a privilege to be here. No, seriously, uh, you're a love of the game. I've always loved listening to you. And yeah, it's just your knowledge, your passion. So the minute I said, I saw your name on the email, I was like, I'm going straight there. So like, listen, thanks a million for having me. It's, I could chat football with you all day long. Well, you, you, you were uh, that's a dangerous that. thing probably to say. <laughs> but um, now listen. Now you're learning about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now listen, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Shamrock Rovers are very lucky. And when Josie Mnoon takes over at Manchester United, I'll expect to have a phone call from him to say, <laughs> come on, come on out my attacking play. Damien Duff. Cheers, Grant. An absolute Thank pleasure, man. Cheers. Thanks man. so Thank much. Yeah. Cheers.